and welcome to a prequel wrap-up. Uh, thank you for joining us. We are wrapping up our first annual Star Wars trilogy. With uh, We decided to start with the prequel trilogy because we were setting up for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. We thought it would be good to, to get a refresher as to where Obi-Wan left us at the end of Revenge of the Sith. Seeing as it, that series takes place between the events of Episode 3 and 4. Um, I think both of us, uh, well, I'll try not to speak for you, but I, I definitely remember these movies, I think, more fondly than going back and re-watching them, uh, whether it's because I'm older or because I'm a little, was actually actively criticizing these movies as opposed to just, you know, sitting down and watching them, but I definitely remembered them being better than they were, um, and I remember dogging on George Lucas a lot when they came out. Yeah, you mentioned the, the nostalgia piece uh, in the Revenge of the Sith review. And it's interesting because I definitely remembered kind of enjoying the first movie and really enjoying the third movie. And in hindsight, after watching it with a more critical eye all these years later, I realized that episode one, as I mentioned in that review, had the buildup. I was buying, you know, Pepsi one just so I could complete my by Star Wars can collection. And then, mm. as I mentioned in the episode three review, I mean, you literally bought me a birthday cake that was Anakin fighting Obi-Wan on the on Mustafar. And you and I and combinations of friends probably saw that movie 15 times the summer it came out. Attack of the Clones was the one I didn't have a, a, a nostalgia memory tied to. I just remember watching it on DVD and being like, well, that was shitty. <laughs> um, what I realized is episode three and episode one, in terms of quality, like all of the movies are not far from each other in quality, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And and that's the, the rude awakening I had as I was about 40 minutes into episode three. I'm like, this is not much better than everything that came before. I'm just waiting on the ultimate showdown that this has been building to for three movies. Well, I wonder with the original trilogy, I mean, I think it holds up so much because there were so many practical effects and even the special effects they used back then, it was three, it was models. They had to build the models and move them. I think there were restrictions where you kind of had to focus on the story. Like, yeah, some of the, the technical masterpiece that was going behind it was amazing, but I think George Lucas was just so dead set on using so much green screen that the the films wind up you, you have to feel bad for the actors because they're acting in against nothing. And like this is towards the beginning of a lot of that. Like at this point, I'm sure a lot of people understand and like they have a firm grasp on it. But like at that point, nobody was using this much green screen as, as George was like, yeah, Marvel movie today, I'm sure has tons of green screen behind it. But George Lucas was kind of the pioneer of that. And, Unfortunately, the technology wasn't quite there. Like you, you saw drastic improvements from the lighting effects from Attack of the Clones to Revenge of the Sith. And like, yeah, that made it less distracting. But the problem is, it, it was still, you know, a make. It was a make-believe set for a make-believe world, and it's just it's hard to put in. And you know, maybe that's the the sign of a true actor or actress is when they can put you in a void and like you have to pretend this is a pillar that you're hiding behind or this is you know you're in the hallways of a grand temple and like you just have to pretend that that's what you're doing while you're talking to people and you have nothing in the environment to to build off of 
or you have to pretend that you're talking to someone that's not just, you know, in Jar Jar's case, the actor would have two big tennis balls like strapped onto his head. And that's mm-hmm. technically where the character's eyes were. And yeah, you know, you see the the eye lines just look so unnatural and fake. You know, that's what you're asking everyone to act against. And and like you said, it's not just isolated scenes of CGI. For no apparent reason, we have people walking down a corridor that is just like you said, there's some pillars in front and then everything behind is a green screen for like 90 percent of the runtime. Like, and it was a weird thing, like with Revenge of the Sith, like you could tell that the actor they had playing Jango Fett, Boba Fett at this point or and all of the clones is like somehow in one shot. Three of the clones look pretty good and realistic and five of them look awful. And you're like, it's the same face. How did you make it to where half of them looked realistic and half of them look like weird mutant caricatures of the actor? Like, I just don't understand how you managed to do- in the same scene, in the same scene you did that. Yeah, this is going to be pretty random, but if you if you play any sports video games, it's like the difference between the character models of the actual players on the court or the field and then the character models of the fans in the stands. You know, mm-hmm. like there was a level of detail at times with some of the clones and then some of them look like, hey, let's you know, we have to have four more clones here. Hurry up and do it. <laughs> yeah. This is the scene feels empty. Throw a few more in. Well, it's going to take some time to render those. I'm like, eh, just low rent. That's fine. They don't have to be like, no, it's like, well, then put a helmet on them. Like, we know they all look the same. Like, why did they all have to have a helmet off if they're all going to look like half of them are going to look weird? Yeah, they, they look, look like Tamura Morrison in 16 bit. Yeah, it was just so many. Yeah, just I think part of being a creative is the restriction that you have. And unfortunately, I think beyond George just not having a lot of people saying him, telling him, no, I don't think that's a great idea. I think beyond that, because he felt like he had unlimited, he could do whatever he wanted with CG, he did. And it's just like some of it didn't play out because like that restriction is kind of what makes things work is because you can't do whatever you want. You don't have a crayon box that has every single color in it. Brett, are you saying that George Lucas having unlimited power was a bad idea? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> like he, he palpatined uh, his own franchise. Yeah, he really did. It's just it's so... So bizarre to me to to watch him do that. And I know that this is a, a recap of the trilogy we just reviewed. But another thing that reviewing these three movies and, and you mentioned it in The Revenge of the Sith, it's made me gain even another level of appreciation for John Favreau and Dave Filoni. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think you nailed it in The Revenge of the Sith review. George Lucas is good in the sense of he has put these, the chess pieces on the board, he's incapable of moving them around effectively. So oddly enough, as much as I bristled against Disney acquiring Star Wars, and again, that sequel trilogy was terrible, it feels like they've learned their lesson and they have kind of perfected how to tell Star Wars stories, at least long form through, through television. And yeah, as long as Kathleen Kennedy's not attached to it, you're right. They've definitely learned their lesson. 
<laughs> who George Lucas handpicked to take over, which makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible to me because I went back and just watched a few clips of the Mandalorian just kind of in this. I know the technology has advanced quite a bit. I mean, we're talking about movies that are, are over 20 years old at this point, but what the Mandalorian is able to do and I mean, behind the scenes, I've seen where they shoot the thing. It's just kind of a, a green screen dome, but mm -hmm. what they're able to accomplish with that compared to what Lucas was doing while also providing an actual compelling story. It's just, I hate to say it. I think part of it is the Mandalorian ruined the prequel trilogy even more for me because of how compelling that show is able to exist and build this universe. And, and the creator literally can't. Mm -hmm. Well, and the funny thing is, I believe, you know, Favre and, and Filoni, like they bounce ideas off of George Lucas to make sure it fits within Star Wars. So they're not going off the reservation, but it's interesting to see them come up with ideas. And then George can be like, oh, yeah, that no, that wouldn't be what was going on here or something like that. But it's still not George actually creating it. He's he, George has essentially been reduced to QA. Like, hey, George, can you look over this real quick and say, and tell me if the report can go out or not? Like, that's what he's doing. But that's exactly where he needs to be in all of this. And I think that's what happened with, you know, Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi is those other directors took that over. And George Lucas was just there to make sure that they didn't destroy his vision, you know, and then unfortunately, with the sequel trilogy, a lot of that is what they didn't consult George whatsoever. And it's like, yeah, I wouldn't want George to direct this. And I'm sure part of that was they were trying to distance George from it because everybody had problems with what he did with the prequel trilogy. But at the end of the day, he's still the one who created this world and understands how it is supposed to operate and how it's supposed to work. Yeah, I mean, he he QA is the is the perfect way to describe it. He needs to be able to give notes to make sure that it's true to the spirit of Star Wars, but leave the actual storytelling, you know, to the professionals. And as we talked about with Revenge of the Sith, it sounds like that's probably what he was best at. Like, he let other people design General Grievous. He didn't know what Grievous was. And honestly, I don't think he designed most of the original Star Wars characters, because I don't know if you know this, but the original Star Wars, uh, Han Solo was like a lizard man. Wait, what? Yeah, no, he... he yeah, Han Solo wasn't even human, and like Chewbacca was like this purple cat thing. Or I don't know if you've seen anything with Star Wars Rebels, but what Zed is—that's basically what Chewbacca originally looked like. A lot of Star Wars Rebels took their inspiration of their character designs off of what the original Star Wars was supposed to look like, even down to what the lightsabers look like and the width of the lightsaber blades. Like they took a lot of the original concept art and then like built it out. But yeah, Han Solo was a lizard. I, the more and more I learn about the Star Wars universe in terms of behind the scenes, I, I this is going to sound disrespectful, but hey, he's uh, fucking probably close to a billionaire. I, I'm curious what, how much of Star Wars do we have to George Lucas to thank for? Because it, it really doesn't, it feels like he gave a skeleton of an idea, which we might have discussed was just the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell. Everything else you're telling me, you know, his ex-wife did this, you know, he got notes on this. He didn't design this. I'm like, what did he actually do? Yeah, it's uh, it is. It's kind of crazy. Just 
the less George Lucas was involved with Star Wars, the better off Star Wars typically was. And it, it, it feels like the original trilogy succeeded in spite of him. <laughs> Very much did. And, and I think it was just so different at the time that people latched onto it. And it's one of those, there's a legacy behind it. So, yeah, Han Solo was uh, supposed to be a member of the Eurelian species. Eurelians were a large green-skinned reptilian creature covered in slimy material. And he, that's not what he wound up being. And, and thank yeah. God. Thank God. Mm-hmm. Because, I, you know, so. again, this isn't about the original trilogy, but the acting in the original trilogy is not great across the board. Uh, save for Harrison Ford. So God, if he had been a purple slime monster, Jesus Christ, maybe, maybe <laughs> we don't even talk about a prequel trilogy because star Wars is not a success. Uh, yep. So uh, I, I forget what we were talking about with that, but just to, yeah, just overall, it, it's amazing how much the, the prequel trilogy, I don't think stood up to how I remembered it. And I think I had watched I had watched them within the last 10 years or so. I mean, it's not even like I was lasting off of what my original viewing of them in theaters. Oh, I'm guilty of just watching the scenes that I like, like on YouTube. Like Mm -hmm. I've seen the Duel of the Fates and Battle of the Heroes. I've seen those hundreds of times over the years. The full movies proper, I, other than Revenge of the Sith, I don't think I've seen any of them more than like three times. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, with that, I mean, I, I guess, you know, typically with these wrap ups, we used to do or we like to do a subjective and objective ranking. I think we kind of did that as we went with this trilogy, uh, just for the sake of uh, of mentioning it here. I think it's going to be the same for both of us. Do you want to w- what is your official ranking of these three movies? Uh, episode three is the best, followed by episode one. Followed by episode two. I, I will say the gap between episode three and the rest is is significant, but not as significant as I remember. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm slightly different. I, I go and actually three, two, one. We joked about before where George Lucas was learning as he went based off of Internet criticism. But I think Revenge of the Sith is the best, followed by Attack of the Clones, which I honestly think if you take all of the Anakin Skywalker Padme shit out of Attack of the Clones... I think it's an actually much better movie. I think all of that really weighs the movie down, unfortunately. Uh, and then last is The Phantom Menace, which has my favorite scene of the prequel with the Darth Maul lightsaber battle, but it is just the rest of that movie is is a hot mess with pacing issues, with shitty characters that nobody cares about. Um, my biggest criticism of the original trilogy is still... George Lucas could have told any story that he wanted. I have no idea why you decide to start with Anakin as a nine-year-old boy and you end it with him as what? Maybe a, a 20-year-old man? I'm like, you're talking about 11 years span. Not only that, a very, like, that's people growing up. It's not a matter of like, oh, coming of age, like Luke is 18 here and he's, you know, 23 in the next one. Like, you're talking about a child. And then there's just so many gaps where you need to know what was going on and how these characters were interacting. We just didn't get it. I, I still think that this movie, the whole prequel trilogy would have been much stronger had we started with Anakin Skywalker as a, as a young Jedi Knight 
and maybe him falling in love with Padme or somebody else in that temptation. And then the emperor basically kind of seeing the strength in him and, and, you know, basically twisting him and manipulating him so that he could uh, take advantage of him. Was going back to the original trilogy, was it discussed that if you were over a certain age, you couldn't become a Jedi? Was that ever a thing before the prequels? I think so. Yeah, I think Yoda says that he's too old. He he says that Luke is too old, but Luke is like way older than what Anakin is. Like it's never stated that like you basically needed to be picked up as a, a three year old or something like that. Like in order to be a Jedi, which is a, one of the things they don't really discuss. Like what is the age that you're taken to become a Jedi? Is it basically they you- show up at your doorstep with a four year old? Well, shit. It, it seems like they show up at the hospital and like are like, mm-hmm. hey. Hey, congratulations on your new child. It seems like their metachlorian counts high. We're going to take them. Like, that's the creepiness yeah. level that... Because, yeah, I'm glad you, you remember. Because, yeah, I remember Yoda saying he's too old. But, yeah, because Luke is, what, like 17, 18, 19 mm-hmm. at that point? Like, that, I believe, just... Again, George Lucas can tell any story he wants, and yet he chooses to pigeonhole to where this has to be like an eight-year-old Jake Lloyd. Like, why not just cast the actor that's going to play Darth Vader or, you know, play Anakin throughout the three movies, cast him in the first movie. If if for no other Mm -hmm. reason than just audience continuity, it's the same actor in all three movies. And yet, like you said, he just decides to tell this pointless child origin story so that we can get a pod race. Well, and yeah, and, and apparently the original concept for the Clone Wars was not a clone army versus a robot army. It was people fighting like the the galaxy was having to fight their clones or something like that. And like, I don't know if that comes back to trying to keep the PG rating because, you know, we talked about the the dude who did Samurai Jack and, and all that, like a lot of his he loved violence in cartoons and the way he got around that to where he could have his PG ratings was if you're killing robots apparently the censors don't care. If you chop a robot in half from, you know, uh, you know, top to taint, like, the censors don't care if about that. It could even have oil spill out as blood, but, like, the minute it's an, a living creature, it becomes an issue. So, I don't know if that went into part of the decision where, like, he wanted this grand-scale war and in order to make it, like, to where your Jedi could go through and cut people up, or even to that point, is it that he really wanted to show Jedi count in combat, but, like, they have laser swords, so they're gonna start cutting through people if we make it robots, we can get around that. Yeah, which is funny because I believe Revenge of the Sith is the only Star Wars movie to have the PG-13 rating up to this point. And it's literally mm-hmm. because for once, an actual human, Anakin, gets his legs cut off. It's not just robot, you know, carnage. So, mm-hmm. yeah, just having that also, one scene elevates you to a PG-13. Yeah. Also, very dark. I mean, Anakin killing children, like... It's it's such a hard turn for Anakin. It does not feel like it is something that weighs on him, other than the fact that he's always kind of a bratty kid, and then the first opportunity he gets to jump to the dark side, he takes. Yeah, and we didn't get into this much in Revenge of the Sith review, but another poor decision by George Lucas, like, if you want to show Anakin killing children or imply that he's about to kill children... That's fine. Don't have those be the only Jedi he kills at the temple, though. 
Like, mm-hmm. please show him kill some adults as well. Like, I know we're supposed to, it, it's the fall of Anakin and the, the birth of Darth Vader, but I'm like, you were just making him the most despicable individual. Like, ultimately, you're supposed to think that there's still good in him, and yet you depict him mm-hmm. as exclusively killing children. And defenseless, uh, what were the separatist names? I, I can't remember. Oh, Newt Gungray. There you and- go. Yeah. Which, that's another part where I understand why he had to go kill all of them. There's a couple things I had that were interesting in Revenge of the Sith that I didn't bring up. But first off, you could have had the the droids. You could have, at that point, Sidious had to be able to control that and could have taken control and had, or just blown the whole place up. He had them all sitting there. Like, he didn't need Darth Vader to go do it. But I thought Anakin killing Newt Gunray should have been way more powerful. I mean, Newt Gunray ha- tried to kill Padme multiple times, tried to have her assassinated. Like, that's the point where, like, Anakin should have tortured the shit out of him as retaliation for trying to kill Padme. If that's Because that was Anakin's whole motivation for returning to the dark side was because of Padme. Like, just allowing that passion and lust to really just warp his mind to the point, like, you're watching him actually, like, just really go at somebody who he thought you know, was trying to kill the love of his life. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, you you tried to give some characterization to Newt Gunray, which George Lucas had zero interest in doing. Yeah. It's like, well, this city has promised us peace, and then he just cuts him down. I'm like, this would have been an opportunity for you to, like, force choke him, lift him up, like, cut his legs off. I'm like, there's so much more he could have done to Newt Gunray knowing that that is the person who tried to kill his wife multiple times. And if nothing else, it at least is some sort of reward for the viewer. Like, hey, we're the actions of the first movie play a role in Anakin's feelings towards Newt Gunray. Again, I remember watching Revenge of the Sith the first time and I was like, oh, shit, it's Newt Gunray. I forgot he's still around here floating around. (laughs) Yep. So... They also imply like so much like the Death Star gets like when uh, Anakin goes in to talk to Palpatine and Palpatine just has the screen up. But I think he's looking at a blueprint of the Death Star and I'm just like, he's very like apparently there's no locked doors and he's just very freely looking at what's going on here. So. Yeah, between that and Anakin and Padme just openly, you know, making out in the Mm -hmm. fucking shipping like, yeah secret romance dude never saw oh anakin is the father isn't he no fucking shit he is yeah <laughs> you nailed it uh, obi-wan you have to use the force hey you, you have to use the force to figure that one out home doc oh not like that the very the very <laughs> we have to make sure we separate them and put them in a place where the the emperor and darth vader they won't be able to sense their presence all right, let's put Luke on Tatooine with his stepbrother and let him keep his last name of Skywalker. That won't be suspicious at all. And then and then Leia, let's put her in the hands of a senator who's going to be around the galactic city. Yes, that's perfect. They'll never <laughs> think of those two places. They're super concealed. Oh, come on. Now, like, stupid line. Just change the line so that that doesn't look so blatantly dumb. Yeah, another thing that we didn't talk about in Revenge of the Sith, I know we're supposed to be doing the whole trilogy, but we did also talk about, you know, Anakin, you were a brother to me. 
And, and that emotion, that delivery, it works. I, you know, Brett, you're like a brother to me. Even if we ever had a disagreement and we had to fight to the death, after I cut your legs and arm off and you catch on fire, I'm not going to just leave you there to just fucking suffer with third degree burns. Like, I just like the shot to show him picking up the lightsaber like, oh, going to take this. It's like, yes, we understand that was the lightsaber he gives Luke. I don't think we needed the shot of him picking it up like, oh, let's not forget this here. Gonna go ahead and take well, this memento. You probably know, Brett, that was inserted after principal photography ended. Yeah. Because George Lucas realized, oops, I forgot. He's supposed to give this to Luke. So let's have this clumsy insert of him picking it up. And it's even like George Lucas is great about ruining a good shot that he had. Because we talked about Grievous and that performance. Like when Grievous is saying like, army or not, surely you must know you are doomed. And it zooms in on his eyes. Like this is a cool shot. Like just like how animalistic and like how you just rough and cut. And then we immediately cut to a zoom in of Obi-Wan's eyes. We'll see about that. I'm like, no, that's not as powerful as Grievous's eyes. Like, do we don't, that's so weird. Like just leave it on Grievous's eyes. And then Obi-Wan could like, it's not the same shot. Like they're it was so, I'm like, well, I kind of ruined that shot. Okay. Smooth jazz. Smooches. <laughs> yeah, I guess the... I think what I learned more than anything was that George Lucas needs, needs people to say no. George Lucas needs someone who is going to take his vision and actually make it make it work and i've said this for a while i think george lucas is like a steve jobs steve jobs was great at coming up with the idea for the iphone and then being able to market it and push it but guess what steve jobs didn't actually make the fucking iphone could you imagine if he was in the lab trying to build that thing like it would have never gotten done so that's where george lucas needed to be like he has a vision for star wars and you need him to be there to push that vision forward he should not be the one hands-on making the damn thing yeah, and what is his level of involvement in Indiana Jones? I think he was just a producer. I don't know if he wrote, helped write the scripts or what. Because I feel like some the George Lucas apologist will always point to his involvement in Indiana Jones, and I'm like, that's 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 just his friend Steven. You know, my friend Steven thinks this is a good idea. That's all Spielberg, like. Again, Lucas is very rich, very successful. I just wonder how much he actually had to do with the success and how lucky he just happened to be to have good collaborators. So director Steven Spielberg, the writers are the writer. Here we go. The story was written by George Lucas and Phil Kaufman. The screenplay was written by Lawrence Kasdan. See, there. So Lucas came up with the story. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> which essentially is probably like hey what if a you know a professor was an archaeologist and was searching for the holy grail and then that's probably and he'll fight nazis yeah and and everybody <laughs> loves to fight nazis so i think that's really where he left it and then more capable hands came in and took it across the finish line yep as they should so here's the story okay this isn't going to work in uh in film so we're going to go ahead and and modify this so just very very interesting to me but uh 
yeah, I think that about does it for a general wrap up. Do you wanna do you wanna go ahead and try and guess where our ratings are on these movies? Here's a question. Do you think the audience and the critics differ in their rating? Based off of Rotten Tomatoes, we like to do that because it's a yes or no. Um, so there's not a lot of leeway in between. So do you think using Rotten Tomatoes as our aggregate, do you think that the audience and critics agreed in, in the ranking of these movies? I, I do. I think they'll be pretty closely aligned. All right. I, it's interesting. All right. What do you, what do you, let's start with critics. What do you think? How do you think critics ranked these? Um, I think it's going to be the, the same ranking that I gave. I think it's going to be episode three, episode one, episode two, first to last. What is interesting in terms of critic ratings, there's only about the most, uh, Revenge of the Sith has 300. The other two hover around 250. Uh, their ranking was number one, Revenge of the Sith, with a 79%, followed up by Attack of the Clones, with a 65 In Episode 1, The Phantom Menace comes in at a 51 It is, of the prequel trilogy, The Phantom Menace was the only one that was actually a splat. I... I... At 79%, I feel like it was pretty generous. But again, like you said, it's a yes or no. Mm -hmm. All right. Where do you think the audience ranked these? I'll fall back on my ranking. Uh, Three, one, two. All right. You're right. They did Revenge of the Sith, The Phantom Menace, and then episode two, Attack of the Clones. Do you want to guess their percentages? Uh, I'll say Revenge of the Sith. I think the audience will be higher on it. I'll say 84%. Audience gave it a 66. Oh, God. That's, That's a, the high mark Twitter. for audience? Yeah. Oh, Lord. Uh, uh, Next was Phantom Menace. Uh... 51%. 59. Okay. Does Attack of the Clones, does it drop below 50? It does not. Damn. 53? 56. It's very close between Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. I, I wonder if the audience is in agreement with me. They just, they hold up Phantom Menace a little bit higher just because it's got a great lightsaber fight at the end. Very well could be. So that's where we fall with our our audience and critic ratings. Uh, normally, this is where we would do a character swap. Because all of these characters are in the same trilogy, I don't think we really have that. Um, yeah, my character swap do was it, just to put Jar Jar Binks as the headliner in all three of my fucking Chop Shop movies like a moron. Yeah, mine was to put Darth Maul as an antagonist in all of them. So, <laughs> Yeah, you did a better job. Uh, yeah, like I said, I think this is gonna be a short one just because a lot of our one of our biggest segment kind of got squashed because of the way we did the uh, the trilogy or the chop shops. Well, is it 
to to kind of close this, is it uh, is it too early to reveal what else we'll be doing uh, in the Star think so. Wars universe? This is, yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna go ahead and and tease it or give a give a update on what we're doing? Well, we mentioned how uh, is is Fabro or Fabro and Filoni? They're not involved in, are they? Oh, I God. think it's Chow. Suits. Yeah. Yeah. Su- uh, for some reason, I want to say Susan, but uh, we're going to be uh, delving into the new Disney Plus limited series. Uh, is it called Kenobi or Obi-Wan Kenobi? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, as as Brett has previously mentioned, I think it's going to basically take place between episodes three and four. Uh, so we figured uh, why not kind of cover the preamble that's going to lead to this new series. So we'll be doing weekly recaps eh, it's not going to be these these hour and a half two hour episodes but uh we're going to briefly break them down see what we think yep so there's six episodes they uh was directed the series was directed by deborah chow and uh it will be cantina side hustle that's what we're calling it so we'll uh i don't know if we'll have segments or not or if it's just going to be us kind of chatting up the episode what we liked didn't like maybe some predictions what we want but uh we also will have a a special guest joining us each week so uh travis might have been alluding to that and some of the the opening skits but uh we won't reveal who that person is yet but he'll they it will be joining us for the six episodes so I talked to him. He specifically has not watched any of the prequel trilogy, like refreshed it because he thought it would be interesting for us to have a, a just different perspective. So it is going to be kind of I like the spectrum. It's going to be him who doesn't really get into the extended universe stuff and did not rewatch the prequels. You who rewatched the prequels, but does not get into the extended uh canon stuff and then me who watched the prequels and is very invested in the extended canon stuff so i have a feeling it's going to be a lot of me explaining to you all why <laughs> characters matter um i'm assuming I, that's I, why I sent, you sent me the picture of the the people that are being held hostage by grievous you told me to pay close attention also, to them okay just real quick but we were that why were they being held hostage by the republic did you notice that after order 66 they've got them on the ground i'm like they weren't part of the jedi why <laughs> they are why are they enemies of the state now but no the reason i want you to notice is because that is a live action version if you look up the sith inquisitor or whatever we watch it they're the same race but disney plus decided they didn't want to go through creating the prospect prosthetic for that so that character has existed his species has existed in live action they adapted it from what he looks like from the Rebels cartoon series, and it's just atrocious. Like, they just decided that they weren't going to actually do it. Like, it's, and that's why I said, look at what these characters look like because that's what the Inquisitor is supposed to be in the series, is that same species. Uh, the Inquisitors that are shown in the trailer? The Grand Inquisitor, sorry. Right, but they, they appear in the trailer for Obi-Wan Kenobi, right? Yes. Yeah. But that's the same thing. The people? one played. Yeah, the guy played by Rupert Friend, the guy who's white faced, like really white, he's supposed to be that same species as the guys that are on Utapa. <laughs> and it's just like, he looks nothing, nothing <laughs> like them. 
like i could even be like okay if you made him like white because he's pale or something like that because of the dark something like you didn't even do the same prosthetic forehead or anything like that or like the sharp teeth it's just like one of those things it's like yeah just paint him white and uh, give him a bald cap and we'll say he's the same thing it's like no like this is existed in live action you know you kind of have to follow through with that yeah i feel like that's a uh hey here's the budget if we do them accurate to revenge of the sith here's the budget though if we just go with uh you know a pale white face and a skull cap yeah super super funny but uh yeah, looking forward to that. I think it'll be fun. I am still very much looking forward to that series. I've told people I'm looking at that. And to me, that's what I wanted the prequel trilogy to be. So we're seeing what Deborah Chow brings to the table um, with that miniseries. So, yeah, if yeah. if I'm excited about it and you could strip away everything I'm excited about. But the one thing that's going to remain, I am so curious to know what they do with Hayden Christensen. Because that is such mm-hmm. a bold choice. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've got faith in what the, the Disney team has done with the television show. So if you're bringing back Hayden Christensen, I, I hope I hope they pull it off and I hope they they redeem him because I, I do I do there's, feel bad for the guy. There's rumors they're bringing him back for the Ahsoka series as maybe a force ghost. I had not heard that. So we'll I mean, they might actually be trying to allow hating christians to come back and and actually redeem himself as an anakin skywalker yeah i'm, I'm very curious because I, I feel like they kind of painted themselves into a corner with at the end of revenge of the sith he's already in the suit so there's no way you you can't kind of like you said you can't go back to a, a prototype suit uh something that'll help him distinguish himself from the james earl jones fader <laughs> so I, i'm very curious what they're gonna do I th- I think it's going to be flashbacks personally. Nothing but I think flashbacks. We're gonna, I think we're going to get a lot maybe not nothing but but I think we're going to get a lot of flashbacks. Well, I'm making a mental note of that to see if you're right so that we can circle back when we actually do the uh the side hustle. I I think that this series is going to establish everything we criticized about the prequel trilogy where they didn't feel like they were actually friends brother mentor father figure anything like that i think this series is going to try and rectify a lot of, i know the clone wars animated series did but i think this is going to try and give us some of those moments that would have established that they were actually close that we did not get in the actual movie that we had to basically take for granted or assume that oh because there was a three-year span between these two movies or there was seven years between phantom menace and attack of the clones you just have to assume that they became close well, hopefully that leads to Ewan McGregor donning the uh, the terrible wig that he had for uh, episode two. <laughs> It'd be funny if they kept it that authentic. <laughs> that and the, the shitty beard. It's like, no, no, no. We need you to look like you did in Attack of the Clone. Sorry. Yeah. Glue this hair to your face. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I think about that about does it for me. Uh, if you don't have anything else to say about the prequel trilogy, I think we can go ahead and put a bow on this and, and get ourselves ready for the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series and then our tune-up trilogy coming up next. Absolutely. 
All right, take it easy, y'all, and uh, hopefully we'll see you back next week when we do either Footloose, Men in Black, or Casino Royale. You were the chosen one!